Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I am your host, Damon Pistolka, and I am excited for our guest today because we have none other than April Sprints from Driven Outcomes, creator of the generosity culture. I'm just going to go on here for a minute, April. You are a podcast host of a award-winning Winning Mindset Mastery Podcast, Global Top 10. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you have time to do all this? Well, that's why the podcast is only 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> and then I then I forgot. And then author of the book Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm excited to be here, Damon. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Well, we're going to we're going to start this off slow. We're going to have some fun here. We're going to talk a little bit. You know, we talked a long time ago. You, it was in and, 2020. It was. It was a long time. I've got like it seems like lifetimes now. It's I lifetime. was writing Magic Blue Rocks when we talked, yes, believe were. it or not. Yes, you were. So how long did it t- just we're going to go off on that? No, we won't. I'm going to I'm going to follow my my normal pattern. So I, I oh, always I have like a couple it. I always have a couple questions in the beginning that I want to just kind of want just kind of ask. I've got a list of them. So you're going to see me looking over here. I'm going to decide okay. which couple I'm going to use. So I think I know the answer to this, but what is one thing you try to live your life by? I try to live my life by the idea that I will always help other people. And in helping other people, that's really where I find my joy. Awesome. Yep. That is a class A answer there for sure. Thanks so much for that. Because it is. And people go, oh, how do you do that? How do you do that? But do you find as you're helping other people that just increases your energy and your ability to help more people? Yes, 100%. And actually, when I find myself feeling unmotivated or feeling like I don't know what to do next or I don't know where to go next... If I help someone with something, I will then have so much clarity on what I'm supposed to be doing. So it is beneficial on both sides in huge ways. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, I forgot to say the topic we're going to talk about today because I was excited (laughs) to get in here. We're going to talk about mastering your mind to win in life and business. And when we come to that, April, I'm going to go back to one more question because I think this is this is going to be interesting. What is one thing on your bucket list? One thing on my bucket list. You know, I want to have a television show, an actual either streaming or network television show that is dedicated to nothing but mindset and helping other people. And it will happen. I don't know when, but it will happen. And I think it will be phenomenal. Awesome. 
that is another awesome answer for sure because <laughs> because when you talk about helping other people that allows you to amplify the amount of people that you can help oh absolutely yeah that's so great Just reach them yeah yeah so as we talk about let's talk a little bit about your history now you you started out in the military and then you've been consulting for a while now and doing those kind of things and doing sales and other businesses let's just briefly go through your history we've done it before but i'd like to catch the the listeners up now to um your history and then work into driven outcome and then we're going to talk about the book and other things sure okay so i started out my career actually in high school i worked in sales and as an assistant in uh a different industry that did geosynthetic products. But I went from there to the military, which was fantastic. It is the best choice I could have ever made because it really opened up my worldview and the way that I saw things and what I thought was possible. And spent about seven years in the Air Force as a television news anchor and executive producer, which was an amazing experience. And then left and went into the financial industry where I was supporting banking institutions and credit unions in a variety of positions. I did project management, client management, ultimately sales, and then moving into sales leadership, and then went into a really successful startup in the fintech world. I was recruited there, and that was phenomenal. When I started, they were $6 million a year in revenue, ultimately went to a $7 billion IPO, and got to help build infrastructure for the sales team and grow that business exponentially. Wow. And that put me in a, a great position to start my firm, Driven Outcomes, six years ago now, which is six years ago. bizarre awesome. to me that it went so quickly because it has been so fun. And basically, it was that all of the things that I had learned, you know, turning around P&L divisions within companies, helping to scale startups, I realized that there were so many companies that I could help with that instead of just being in one industry. And that sounded so exciting to me. So without much of a plan, I kind of jumped out of the plane and built the parachute yeah. on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when you went into Driven uh, and started Driven Outcomes, did you have kind of the same goal that you have now or is that, has it no. moved a lot? Okay. Oh, it's, well, so I had the same goal in the sense, everything I've always wanted to do, Damon, was help people. And it was, okay, through what avenue am I going to help them? What am I going to do? But if I'm candid, when I started Driven Outcomes, I thought I was going to be teaching people how to speak and how to sell. Mm -hmm. And I was so scared that folks would not take me seriously because at the time I was 38 years old, 37, 38. So I, but I always looked younger to people when I was in corporate and I was afraid they wouldn't take me seriously. So initially I even approached someone a considerable amount older than me that I had worked with as a coach and asked her if she would do it with me because I was afraid that people wouldn't take me seriously. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it about, we probably spent around six months working on it. And I just realized we had very different styles and very different skill sets. And I felt like I could help people more if I was on my own. So it wasn't until I decided to move forward with the company being just mine that I went and 
thought, okay, what am I actually going to help people with, right? I'd been taking on clients here and there, but mostly I did what I call hamster work when I'm telling people that you're doing things, but you're not accomplishing anything. You feel good about it. You're doing work. But everything that I'd created up until that point, marketing videos and a website and great collateral because of the fear that I had to overcome of getting out there and selling myself, I tossed away and I had a friend call and say, hey, I know someone who just sold a really successful business, but he is bleeding money in another business that he'd started for his family to the tune of about $500,000 a year. Can you help him? And I said, yeah. Because, you know, that was always, how hard could it be? That was always the yeah. answer. And he said, have you ever done anything in the trucking industry? And I was like, no, but it'll be fine. And so I jumped into that, helped turn around that trucking company and take it to break even within six months and then to a high seven-figure sale in less than two years. And through doing that, and I only stayed for the six months, but then mm -hmm. advised and things like that after that, that became my model. My clients told me what they needed me to do. And my business has morphed and changed ever since, always in service to my client's success. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this because we're talking about mastering your mind to win in life and business. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, you, you talked about the hurdles of people maybe not thinking you were old enough for them to put mm -hmm. trust in you. But what are some of the other things that you've had to master in your mind so you can mm -hmm. win in life and business like you want? So I've definitely had to master the fear of failure to mm -hmm. overcome the fear of doing the safer, easy thing and do the hard thing. And what's interesting is I forced myself to overcome it because I never did the easy thing. I couldn't. It felt more painful than yeah. going and doing the thing I was terrified of. But there were many times in my life, and certainly when I first started my business where I was white knuckling it, it may have looked a little more elegant than it actually was, but there were absolutely times where I was sitting on the floor crying because I didn't have an IT department and building a network in my office was beyond my scope of skills. Mm -hmm. And just yeah. thinking, you know, am I an idiot here? Did I just do the completely wrong thing? And then I had to overcome caring what other people thought because I had this idea that I think we all do, that everyone is watching us, that everyone is paying attention to what we're yeah. doing and they're rendering a judgment, you know, and so sometimes we won't go big and we won't put ourselves out there. I would never have said, I want a show because I wouldn't want people like keeping score. Well, did she ever get a show? And what is so interesting is the thing that made me really reevaluate that of all things, I was reading one of Dolly Parton's autobiographies and in this autobiography at the end of it, and it was written in like the nineties and I read it in like 2018. Okay. She was talking about these projects she was going to do this makeup line and this uh, other, you know, cool project. Cause she was always doing tons of things. She still is. Yeah. And then I remember after I read it, I Googled it and I was like, how did I miss that she had a makeup line? And it, it didn't do well. And it, it just kind of fizzled out. And one, I don't think a thing less of her because that happened. And two, it almost gave me permission. Okay. Some of your ideas aren't going to hit and that's okay. Because if you do it right, 
in the end, that's not going to matter at all. And it really started to give me permission to go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, if you do it right in the end, your failures won't matter. No. Well, and your failures for me, you know, I, one of my posts I do on LinkedIn that I learned from a, a gentleman by the name of Hampton Dorch is I, I put a fail Friday out there. Hey, here's the thing I failed at this week. Here's where I messed up. Here's where I didn't do a good job. One, because I want to desensitize people to failure. And two, I want to remind myself that the only way I get anywhere and the only way I get any better is if I continue to fail at things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great reminder too, because there's, there's failures all around us. And, and like you said, Dolly Parton may have had a lot of failures, but what you hear about Dolly Parton now is Dollywood, the success of that, the success of the music, you know, all the things you just don't hear about the, the failures and the things. So yeah. it is, it is like you said. So we got Avinash. This thanks so much for being here. We got Jill. Yeah. Thanks right. so much. Oh, love Jill. Jill has been around. She, I call Jill my OG because she has been around since I started the things with mindset, my very first mindset challenge, the podcast, all of it. Awesome. Awesome. So when did you start your podcast? So interestingly, I started a podcast in the beginning of 2021, but it was a different podcast and it was called mm -hmm. Pouring Into Your Business. Really enjoyed it. I did two episodes a week, one long format interview with a CEO or a leader, and then one short 10 minute or less episode I called Mindset Minutes. Mm -hmm. And what was so interesting is the disparity of the interest. There were lots of interest in the interviews, but there was exponential interest in those Mindset Minutes. And yeah. then I had someone else say to me, you know, everyone talks about how important it is to have a good mindset, to have a growth mindset, to have a positive mindset, whatever you call it. Nobody tells you how to develop it. And uh. I was so grateful for someone saying that to me because I thought, well, I could do that. I, I can help people get there and break it down step by step. So I launched this new podcast in April of this year. And what is crazy is in just the first month, that podcast had 10 times the downloads that the other podcast had in a full year. Wow. That's something. That's something because, you know, it is like anything that you niche down, you get into a focused, focused uh, topic and you can really make a difference. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so, and there's another failure, right? The first yeah. podcast, you could say, oh, well, that one didn't do so well. And you did another one and there you go. So you learn and you keep going. Exactly. You said it. You learned what might work better and you try that. And, mm -hmm. and really it's, it's evolution in some of it, you know, I've been reading, um, Tom Peters, the, what is it, the circle of innovation. I always forget the uh -huh. book. I'm reading it for a book club now. And I think that it's interesting because it's, it's older book, right? It's written in like mm -hmm. in the nineties or something like that. So it's, it wait, wait, Damon, come on. We're going to call the nineties old. <laughs> well, for, for books now, I mean, yeah, this is an older book. Totally. They're talking about companies like Saturn. I'm like, well, Saturn's not a big Oh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you think about some of the things they're doing, they're talking about, um, you know, his whole thing around innovation is, you know, they got to kind of destroy it to do it. And I, I think about that a lot now, because like what you're saying with, the, with your podcast going from one to the other, is it really destroying it? Or is it really taking everything good and moving into, you know, something as similar? I don't know. It's, it's, it's I like similar. to call it iterating. 
There you go. I think iterating, it, it helps soothe the former perfectionist in me that it never has to be perfect because it's just an iteration. And also I don't like the idea of we're just killing this one off. This one helped this become what it is today. I mean, if we think about it, some of the things that we are the most enamored with in our life, as far as technological advances and tools and entertainment, it is an iteration of something else. There we go. I had my microphone off because I was coughing for a minute. But yes, that is that is correct. You know, because you think about and even I I always think about uh, SpaceX, Elon Musk. The, mm-hmm. the fact that they're landing rockets just just drives me crazy. And how many did they have to wreck to do that? And how crazy of a thought was it in the beginning? But they did not scrap rockets. They just figured out how to use them differently and control them differently to land them again. So True. Yeah. iterations, iterations. It's a good way to think about that. So. Now you're you're sitting here, you're helping clients, you're doing that, you're having fun, you got your podcast, and you start to write a book. You started to write mm-hmm. that book a while ago. What what mm-hmm. I mean, writing books, writing a book is hard, first of all. How how long did it take you to write the book? So it depends. It it took very little time to write the draft. So I wrote the draft of Magic Blue Rocks in a week. And Part of the reason I did that is, again, I approach everything with how hard can it be and how naive I am about things is both the best and worst thing about me. And so I decided, okay, it's going to be six chapters. I'm going to tell these six stories. I'm going to write one a day and I'll take a break, right? Not any kind of biblical reference there. I took the break in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The way that it made sense. And I actually took the break after chapter two because that one was really hard to write. That was the only sad chapter and I needed Mm -hmm. a day after that. But so I had this draft and what I didn't know because I'd never written a book is that your draft really isn't your book, but I felt good about it. And I sent it to a friend of mine who I'd done broadcasting with who was a far better writer than I am and said, hey, will you take a look at this and will you edit it and just make it, you know, she could write really punchy. And, and just mm-hmm. tell me where I need to fix it. Basically, she said, yeah, you can back into a sentence like no one I've ever known. You bury the lead every time you say something. So she helped me in, in the editing. And then when I actually gave it to the publisher, because I was afraid to give my plain manuscript to the publisher. Let's just own that right now. I wanted yeah, someone to yeah. edit it before it went to them. But what was amazing is, so they did the first rounds of edits. And so the whole process took about six months, which is phenomenal. That's way shorter than it normally takes. But I really wanted to get it out into the world. I didn't know any better. And I think that helps when you don't know what it should be. And what was so incredible to me is that I didn't realize how emotional it is because depending on the kind of book you write, but I, I would think any book you write, actually, it feels like a part of you. Oh, yes. And there's just this feeling like I'm going to put you out into the world and I hope you're okay. And I really want people to read you, but I kind of am afraid for them too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's like it's almost like a child, you know. It is. I I don't want to compare it to that because I don't want to take away from how important a child is, especially because I'm not a parent. But it felt a little bit like letting my baby go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, it's like, yeah, I I can only imagine. Haven't done it considered it but what you're telling me is uh, and reinforcing is the reason why I'm, i haven't so what what were some of the things you learned while you were doing this other than yes there's there's a lot more to learn about writing 
So I learned that mindset and focusing on what I really want is something that I have been working on my entire life because a lot of the lessons that I teach people, I learned at really young ages and Mm -hmm. just kept moving forward with them. You know, the whole idea of focusing on what you want, not what you don't want. The first time I can remember having that thought, I was six. And it's just been one of those journeys that going through it and writing it all down, you start to see how the pieces go together. And it's funny, I tell people, you know, the book is called Magic Blue Rocks because of the first story, but it's a covert mindset book. It literally takes you through the process of cultivating a winning mindset and even more importantly, cultivating self-belief. Because once you believe in yourself and you have your own back and you know that you've got you, then nothing that you want to do is out of reach. Everything is possible. It's just a matter of, okay, we just got to figure out the how. Let's just stop. Now, my friend Kurt Anderson and I, we do a fair amount of live streams. Mm-hmm. There's always times and we, we just have to stop and we just have to just let that soak in a bit. Just what you said. Just let it simmer a little. Because once you cultivate that self-belief, then nothing is impossible. You just have to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And just won't let that sink in a bit because it is true. It is true. When you look at uh, just extremely successful people, we talked about a couple things. Uh, the failure, they've all failed. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton is one of them. But the self-belief is at the core of it because you said before this too, and I want to back up because you said focusing on what you want, not what you don't want. Mm-hmm. That's like a huge thing too. It's like, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't want this to happen. Well, if you're thinking about what you don't want to happen instead mm-hmm. of about what, what you want to happen and the great things that if that happens, how cool or whatever is going to be or how, how many people you're going to help or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on the right things, your mindset, it, it, it it really moves you that way. And you, as you said, when that self-belief, I truly think, helps you find ways that you don't even, you don't have to know them. But no. that self-belief somehow collaborates things together and it comes to you. And I'm not saying like in a dream or whatever, me, but things kind of assemble themselves. Well, and- there's actually some neuroscience behind that, Damon. So what's so interesting is the moment that you decide what you want, your subconscious mind, which accounts for 80% of your brain function, and depends on who you talk to, if it's 80 or 84 or whatever, yep. I, let's, yep. I say 80, 20, it's easier. So 20% is your conscious mind. That's the part that you know has your willpower and is mm-hmm. I'm talking with my conscious mind right now. Meanwhile, my subconscious rock star that it is, is making sure that I breathe, regulating my body temperature. And oh, by the way, Functioning is my personal assistant because the moment I tell my subconscious mind what I want and I focus on the thing that I want, all these things start popping up, these opportunities all of a sudden that would have been there anyway. But now my subconscious mind is saying, hey, pay attention to this. Hey, pay attention to that. And some people are familiar with the Bader-Meinhof principle, and that's what this is, and or that also explains it. And for people who want to know another comparison, go buy a car, any car, any brand, any color, and then tell me how many you see for the next month. 
it's like everyone went and got it at the same time you did because you've told your subconscious mind it's important and now there it is and there it is and there it is same thing with your goals mm -hmm. and that is so true and your your mind does that now you you quoted a, a, a percentage there that i was just reading a book and i was going to look at it but I, I was just reading a book a couple of weeks ago that was talking about that and when you when you really get into the science of our minds it is amazing how little of our mind actually controls what we do on a on a minute by minute day by day basis and how much of it is controlled by our subconscious that we don't think about so many things it just decisions are made and stuff happens and it and it happens not just like breathing and other things but it happens in how are we going to accomplish something and and those oh, kind sure. of things and what you're talking about it makes such a big difference in in trying to override that or maybe derail the the path a little bit so that's awesome that's awesome wow wow so as you at so thinking about this cultivating mm -hmm. the self-belief then it, it's just how you're going to figure out how to do it mm -hmm. so as you're as you're going through this and helping helping clients with this right they're mm -hmm. they're they're reading the book they're going through the through the steps that you're you're doing what are some of the things that they're telling you that they're feeling that they're sensing that you know that they've just that they haven't before so what's interesting is initially a lot of people will feel some overwhelm in the sense that we're doing so much so quickly because we do yeah. it very fast because that's an important part of it but what they'll also say is i didn't realize this skill or this ability was special and what I mean is so many entrepreneurs and leaders take for granted whatever their area of genius is. And it takes someone else to point out to you that's really special. Not everyone can do that. I've worked with folks who've had businesses for 20 years and have only been entrepreneurs, have never been in the corporate world, and did mm -hmm. not realize how naturally they made great business decisions because they had nothing to compare it to. And maybe even felt like they might not be as good as someone who had been in the corporate world. And then my being exposed to both and being exposed to some of the best in the industry, Fortune 100 leaders and companies, I'm like, you're naturally just really good at doing the right things for your business. And what can be amazing for folks is they've taken that for granted because it was easy for them. And yeah. they just assumed it was easy for everyone else. So I think one of the most incredible parts of this experience as I work with a client is them just understanding how amazing they are and then owning that and moving forward with that. And then the next part would be what that opens up for them, what now becomes possible. And that really goes hand in hand with the mindset part of it, because what they find is they can do more than they ever did before, but they are working less than they were prior because it helps them separate the things that are the best use of their time and their genius and the things that they can put somewhere else to be accomplished because mm -hmm. it doesn't require their level of know-how and skill. Yeah. And that that's a great distinction in, in entrepreneurs is how do you how do you get yourself out of the rat race and allow yourself to continue to be able to increase value in your business and continue to do more and more valuable things for you and your business and things that you love <clears throat> and are really good at. Sure. Well, and leaders, too. 
Yeah. Because in a bigger company, if they do that, then they're empowering their team and they're making a bench of leaders, mm -hmm. right? I'm giving you things you're better at. I'm growing you. I now have more time. I can focus on the things that are really important. And I'm giving you some at-bats so that when it's your time to step up and be the leader, you're prepared. Yeah. And developing leaders, you're going to win way more than people that don't. That's for oh. sure. I, I don't understand how people succeed at business when they're not doing that. And maybe there are folks and I just haven't seen them. And I'm actually impressed with you because I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a hard mindset for people to, to break. It's a hard mindset. Yeah. Well, and if we go back historically, I was just having a, a discussion with a director at a university before this call. And we were talking about the four different generations working on his team. And what's so interesting is a lot of times you're convincing folks to pour into people and to develop them who never experienced it in their career. Mm -hmm. Not officially. It wasn't a thing. And to them, it sounds like, okay, so I have to do a whole lot more for these folks because that's what they expect. Because it's just not natural for a lot of them to approach it that way because what was modeled to them was something totally different mm -hmm. and it requires really building some trust and saying look if you do this your team is going to amaze you your life is going to get easier and you're going to see that a lot of this generational issue that we talk about that we have because this generation isn't any good or this one is lazy or this one is that yeah. which by the way I don't care what generation you're in. The generation before you thought you were going to ruin the world. And they talked about yeah. it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. The oldest generation who's in the workforce right now, I just want you to know the greatest generation thought you ruined everything. They just, yep. they, did, they weren't yeah. as vocal about it, but they were very disappointed. Right. But mm -hmm. then instead of that, you're like, oh, wow, they are smarter than I was when I was that age. Oh, that's such an innovative idea. We can change this and make this different. And mm -hmm. all it takes is that pouring in on the front end and that faith that it'll be better for not just your team, but you as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And when you talk about the, the four generations in the workforce today, that is a huge thing that, that across the, you know, if you're an older person that's that's managing or leading younger people, younger person leading older people, I mean, you got to or just working with them, you got to understand this stuff. But it is when you engage everyone. And I've seen this in a couple of clients that we've been working with where we've been working on leadership. We've been, you know, and I just you just heard me say it. We don't use the word management anymore. Nobody wants that mm -hmm. because leadership. If you're, yes. if you're leading right, the management will take care of itself. Yeah, and, people manage themselves. Yeah, they will. And and it's amazing. Some of the some of the older generation that have been suppressed from bleeding people or thought that wasn't the thing to do, mm -hmm. how they transform when they start to do that. When they start mm -hmm. to understand leadership, they start to understand it's about developing other leaders. It's about showing people their future. It's not about telling them what to do. Yes, they have to know. We have to be clear on that and what they're expected to do. But it really, it's been an eye opener for me to see some of the people really blossom in that and, and to appreciate the other generations more in the workforce. Absolutely. Well, and enjoy what they're doing more 
in mm-hmm. ways that I don't think they realize they could. And what I also find is so interesting is once they get in there and they start working together as a team and they realize that they are more alike than they're different and the ways that they're different where they have that diversity, that's where they really supercharge and get super powered. And then they outperform any other teams. If you can give me a team that has all four generations on it, I want that because they all think in different ways that put together are so incredibly valuable. And I think sometimes, especially in this day and age, with the way that people are afraid of diversity and inclusion, or they're if they're not afraid of it, they're nervous, they're not going to be doing it right. I think yeah. they're missing the point that what it is, is that the differences that we have, whether that's gender or age or race or you know creed, whatever it is, yeah. those actually bring these layers and nuances that make us so much more powerful together. That is 100%. And you're right. If you get a team that's got a very diverse team, old, old young, whatever, you're going to be far better off than it. And that's, you know, when you see some of these companies that some some companies, you look at them, you go, well, what mold did you get your people out of? Because you just went, you know, right. How, how, how much innovation has really been there in the last 50 years? And, right. and, and you see that. And that's, that's where I think they get left in the dust. And those are the companies you read about dying. You know, it's the. And they were know, too big to fail or, yeah, too, you know, yeah. too successful to 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So as you're as you're you're talking about this now and you're you're mm-hmm. teaching people working with uh, the driven outcomes, what are some of the things that that you hear your clients they're worried about now other than, you know, we talk about hiring, we talk about those kind of things, but what are some of the things that that people may not really be expecting that that we're going this is something we're kind of concerned about. You know, it's interesting one of the things you mentioned hiring that when I first start talking with people is they're worried about hiring people. They're worried about keeping people. They're worried about the great resignation. They're, you know, worried about how are we going to keep clients if we go into a recession? That said, when we spend some time really talking through the principles of the generosity culture, look, this will solve everything. Pour into your people, pour into your clients, pour into your community, and you'll become recession proof. So, The things that they thought they had to worry about are starting to take care of themselves. They're pouring into their people. So guess what? Their people are so happy. They're telling other people what it's like to work there. So when there's a great resignation, instead of being afraid of it, they're excited because they're like so many good people are going to be looking for somewhere to work. And this is a great place to work. And when people are worried about the economy and, oh, gosh, you know, what are we going to do because we don't have the, the same level of clients coming in or the same amount. And then all of a sudden you've taken such good care of your current clients that they're evangelists for your business yeah. and they don't want to work with anyone else and they'll tell anyone about it. So you do that and then you go even to the the community part and you become this integral part of your community because you're involved, because you care. And everything is this symbiotic relationship that gets you to this place where fear is not something that is impacting you or your business. And what you can do when you don't have fear is unlike anything you've ever experienced personally or in business. And that comes back to that mindset, whether Mm -hmm. it's personally or professionally, you basically walk around bulletproof. We're just going to let that sink in for a minute. That is awesome. 
It is. It is. It's another one of those just just moments of silence, as Kurt would say, because you said when you when things are are getting challenging, pouring into your people, pouring into your clients, pouring into your community, it makes total sense. And a lot of people may at those points in business really should just stop and think about that right now because they're they're worried about hiring people. But if their people there aren't happy, it's going to make it even worse or their clients aren't happy or they're not an integral part of their community. All of those things will bring around bring around the right uh, results in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And quickly there there is I mean, the whole premise of my company is driven outcomes business accelerator that you do it quickly so yeah. a lot of people think you know oh the generosity culture pouring into people that's the long game i need something quick this is quick there's nothing quicker than this in yeah. my experience and i've seen it done both ways and oh man would i compete against a business doing it the other way all day long yeah yeah that's for sure that's for sure. So what are some of the things? So talk about your book. You got some speaking things coming up. What's what's happening in the future here that that you want to share with people? So, you know what? I totally want to share this with people because it'll hold me accountable. I'll say it before it's done. I am developing the education arm of my business. So there are more companies and more entrepreneurs and more people than I can physically get to and work with and be with. Mm -hmm. So it's incumbent upon me to find a way to help all those folks too. So yeah. I am going to be developing some educational products, some, some digital courses, and even some groups that I can do where I can be with a bunch of folks at one time and answer questions and help them with their mindset and accelerating their business or their career. And those are going to be in the, the early stages of Q1 in 2023. I'll be putting those out there for folks. And I'm really excited about it because a lot of people count for their goals, you know, the, the maybe the the amount of money they make or the awards they achieve. And for me, I'm counting H's, people helped. So yeah. the more exponentially I can service others, you know, the more that I want to jump out of bed every day and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Someone asked me that the other day. So how much money do you want to make? I said, I don't know. I know I want to help more people. So I'm not done. <laughs> and right. that's, it's really like you're doing. And, and as you said, if you're really thinking about being really true to that and you haven't helped enough people, it's how do I help more people and how can I help more people and then developing those ways. Absolutely. That's awesome. <clears throat> so as we wind down here, if, if you were going to give anyone, well, I'm going to ask you one more question off yeah. my list. I looked over. Sure. What is some professional advice that affected you the most in your career? Am I, am I allowed to say a bad word? Sure. <laughs> I do it all the time. It slips. It just okay. Happens. Oh, well, I do it. I just didn't know if I was allowed to do it. Yeah, yeah. We're good so with that. I think the best advice I ever got was from one of my first mentors. I actually, I mentioned him in my book. And it was when I was working in the financial industry. And at this time, I was maybe 26, 27 years old. And I was working with a bunch of middle-aged white guys. Yep. And we're all sitting in a room and I'm way younger than everyone else. And I had learned when I made the transition from the military where this wasn't a thing I had to do to corporate. 
that I had to play to people's egos sometimes. So I'd put my suggestion as a question or I'd pretend that I didn't know the answer. And I'd do these things to get along with my colleagues. And I had this leader who had been extremely successful. The company I worked for had purchased his company and he worked mm -hmm. for fun. He literally didn't even know when we got paid. I mean, yeah. he was in a, a good place, right? And yeah, he sat me place. down and he said, April, I would rather see every man in this company call you a bitch than watch you pretend to not be as smart as you are ever again. And in that moment, he gave me permission to yep. be fully myself. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, it was amazing. It took me a few years to do it a hundred percent. I certainly started saying what I meant and mm -hmm. telling the ideas that I had, but actually hundred percent being a hundred percent myself with everyone took a little longer. I had to build that, that confidence that that was okay. But that is the best advice I have ever been given, at least personally, which is people's reactions, what they do, how they feel about you showing up as your amazing self, that's about them. Yeah. Don't worry about it and just keep moving. Yeah. That's awesome. I just, I'm just going mean, to, I don't even know what to say after that because that is true. And it is, it is what we all need to know. Well, you know, whoever you are, that is, that is really important to, to just speak up and do what you feel is right and, and show people. Wow. April, this has been awesome talking to you. I, I really Thank enjoy you. it. And, and I appreciate the opportunity to have you come on the face of the business and talk with us. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back through a few things here. So anyone that got in here late is going to, going to hear. So April sprints. Founder of Driven Outcomes. So you can get on LinkedIn. You can talk to her about that and, and uh, find her there with that. But you also want to look at the Winning Mindset Mastery Podcast. It's a global top 10. Hey, it's something you want to listen to with short, hard-hitting advice about mindset. And that's weekly you do that? Mm -hmm, I do. Weekly. There's about awesome. 61, 62 episodes so far. Awesome. And then author of Magic Blue Rocks, A Secret to Doing Anything about mindset and mastering mindset. That's why we're talking about mastering mind to win in life and business today with April. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure, Damon. Yes. So it, it website, I forgot to ask website to get a hold of you. Is there a website or we rather yep, go there is anything? no drivenoutcomes.com. You can absolutely go there as well. Okay. Okay. want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Thanks so much, April, for being here. Have a great holiday week. I want to thank everyone for being here today that dropped comments, comments or was just listening. And, and I, I want to apologize because I've kind of got a cold and I was hitting the mic on and off here, trying not to cough in everybody's ear. But have a great rest of your week. Hang out for a moment, April, and we'll talk and be done. Sounds great.